before we head into the Kanal Bar, I want to make sure you know this is a two-parter. Did you listen to part one of Ago Perone's story? Then you know he is director of mixology for the Connaught Bar. If you're flummoxed and have no idea what I'm talking about, then head back to last week's episode where you can hear the beginning of Ago's journey. If you're all set, then let's head to Mayfair, Carlos' place to be exact, and one of my favorite hotels in the world. I'm Susan Schwartz, your drinking companion, and this is Lush Life Podcast. Every week, we are inspired to live life one cocktail at a time by the best in the industry. So we left off as the Connaught Bar came calling. So exciting. No more faffing about. Let's jump right in with Ago and that knocking door. So then the Connaught came knocking. So the Connaught came knocking. Bloody hell. What's up with that? <laughs> Oof. So Santino, dear friend of mine, he was living in uh, Battersea next to me, next to Dusk. All the Italian community, we know each other there. They were coming to Montgomery Place. So one day came with uh, the hotel manager. Santino was at the time assistant manager at the Blue Bar, at the Berkeley Hotel, sister hotel. So Agostino, we are working on uh, reopening the Connaught and uh, we're looking to, have, uh, to challenge the industry. Connaught is very classic, but we want to inject uh, creativity into it. So good, go for it. <laughs> Have a good time. <laughs> go and say, go for it. Well, I'll, I'll meet you at the bar. Yeah, yeah. See you on the other side of the bar. Hotel is not for me. I don't know why I wasn't drawn to, to work in hotel because I've always been, as I told you before, I've always been very free-minded. and uh, Even our, in Sardinia, you were, back then, you were working in a bar in Sardinia, not at a hotel the summer, summer season was a normal bars. Okay, no, normal bars. Normal bars. I never worked in hotel. It's the, the, the only kind of bar that I missed in my career was hotel bar. Mm-hmm. And why do you think you stayed away from that? I don't know. I was scared, maybe, of something that uh, I didn't know. Maybe was uh, was scared to have lack of freedom mm-hmm. because uh, at the time I knew other uh, um, people that were working hotel bars. Uh, I could hear the complaint because there was no enough freedom. You couldn't get this product. You couldn't do this homemade ingredient. When in Montgomery Place, I was I was uh, I was doing what I was doing. Waking up one day, I wanted to do it. I do it. Mm-hmm. So the Connaught came across, approached me. But however, how I met the, the Connaught the first time, it was um, Mr. Brian Silva, legendary uh, American bartender established in London. He came, uh, he came, to, he came to the bar and uh, was an always on, uh, on brunch on Saturday, he was coming to the bar, Montgomery Place. He was drinking Manhattan, was drinking Bloody Mary. And then we start to chat. He said, oh, I'm the bar manager at the Connaught Hotel. I said, ah, okay, good, nice. He gave me, he gave me the, his telephone number with the address of the hotel. I still have the piece of paper. <laughs> I still have it after, uh, after how many years? After 13 years. Mm-hmm. I still have the piece of paper. So one wedding anniversary, we decided to come to the Connaught. And uh, we step into this uh, magic world of uh, luxurious, classic. Uh, it was a... Uh, the style uh, at the time of clientele as well was less uh, less uh, loose than now so was much more formal there yes and it, it looked like an old world bar yeah, with yeah, the wood yeah, exactly, and a really exactly, a traditional yeah. hotel bar that you would think of maybe in the 40s and 50s exactly, exactly. Yeah. you, you mm-hmm. were back in time so, so that was my first encounter with the corner so when Santino arrived I said I'll go open the corner I said, yeah. I go for it you let me know where you're ready and come to visit you 
And then, I don't know, Santino is a, he always been a very is a visionary and uh, he didn't give up. He was calling me every day, I'm going to listen, we can do this one. I'm going to support the creative product in the, with my management style. So we're going to balance each other. You put your skills, your knowledge, your creativity. I put my management skills. We're going to do it. I'm sure it was he was convinced. There was somebody convinced of what he says mm-hmm. in a genuine way. You start to you start to be drawn to it, isn't it? Especially because he had so much trust in you. Exactly, I mean, exactly. It was. I said, yeah. why why they trust me so much? I never had hotel experience. Why they want to give me a head bartender position at the commons? I said, well, I'm not ready. I don't know. I I don't know what to expect. You know, I don't know what to expect. Anyway, after uh, I think it was uh, two or three months of uh, negotiation and. Hanging the phone on his face, uh, all this kind of uh, drama stuff. I said, okay, I'm on board. Well, what was your wife saying then? Gabby, she always been very supportive on uh, really let me do what I think is right for me without uh, interfere in the sense of without saying, no, then we're going to have less time for ourselves. Or that. She always been mm-hmm. very supportive. Uh-huh. So. so it was whatever so, you wanted yeah, to do. Yeah, exactly, exactly. She would be a great mama for sure. <laughs> and, uh, and then we started the corner. So the beginning was uh, Santino, Eric Lawrence, myself, Ricardo, who now is bar manager at the corner. So he was the junior bartender back at the time. So I signed the contract on the 30th of uh, June 2008. And we opened the 8th of the 8th, 2008. The summer was one of the hottest summer ever. I made uh, the menu <coughs> in a room, in a butler room on the fourth floor. My best friend was the fridge. <laughs> so I had to open the fridge because uh, the room was so small. It was so hot, no air conditioning, and the summer was hot. And also the fridge produced heat. So I was, uh, I was playing with the fridge. I had the sink and the fridge. That's it. So I had to create uh, what was the foundation of the condo bar in the room. In that, I learned how to really squeeze your creativity. Uh, you can be creative without uh, looking uh, to the box. Well, who, no inside, no outside the box. Before you created your menu, who did you think was going to be your clientele then? You know, who was your, your target customer? The, the brief you know, was... Uh, because it was, you know, knew, no one knew it was going to become the Connaught Bar, no, no. you know. But we wanted to become the Connaught Bar. Uh-huh. We knew it. That was becoming the corner bar. Okay. We, we had the feeling. We knew mm-hmm. The brief was that um, the, the hotel manager said, gentlemen, we need to make a difference here. We need to establish the corner bar as a, as a modern Bentley with the class and elegance, but with the hidden secret that makes the difference and people don't notice. So, of course, we had to still please the clientele that was coming at the time, very classic. Also opened the arms to the new generation, the traveler, the, the people that discover new things, new products. As well, we always have to maintain uh, the style of service. The style of service, the elegance, and the attention to details have always been in the focus since day one. And we never, uh, we never changed direction throughout the years, even when uh, there is so many fashion going on. Outside, uh, outside, uh, I think is uh, because of this focus that we could maintain. We always had uh, our own style of uh, cocktails that become uh, the Connaught Bar style. 
So where do you start? That's a big burden on your shoulders. Number yeah. one, this is a hotel that I know well for a long time. And, you know, it was kind of old worldly England. Mm. And you don't want to completely change that. I would think what I wouldn't want it completely change. But yet you want to bring the new. I mean, this is one of the most famous hotels in the world. And here you are starting a new bar. Yeah. Where do you even start? What, you know? What uh, we... The team in the beginning was uh, very good because we complement each other. Mm-hmm. So Santino had a hotel background and uh, it could give a lot, a lot of uh, direction on uh, how, to, how to deal with certain situations, even before the opening. How to, no, I meant menu-wise. Yeah, menu-wise. Menu-wise, menu uh, okay, in the beginning, let's say, okay, let's start to be inspired by Hotel Classic. And from there, we take as a base so we can engage a conversation with our guests and uh, we let them feel at ease, comfortable, and then we can be even more and more creative. Mm-hmm. We always believe that you know, guest interaction was, uh, was the key of the success. So cocktail always been important, as well as the customer care. Mm-hmm. So at the beginning, it was not uh, the easiest uh, of, uh, <laughs> of uh, <laughs> Or the shift that we had, Eric, myself, Ricardo, Santino, because there's so so much going on. So well, much going on. But the cocktail program, we started to be based on classic, as I said. I said, okay, which one are the most classic cocktail that we need to make sure that uh, we nail, that we make it right for the previous generation and the new generation? David Collins was uh, the designer. So everybody was making Martini Vladimir in a hotel bars and other bars. So we wanted to be different and we thought that the Collins was going to be our signature cocktail. However, the Martini and the Vladimir, they always been uh, taken with a special care. So for the Martini, we didn't want to have our own recipe, our own uh, touches, because we say it's about the guest. It's not about us. How we can interact with the guest let them be able to personalize their cocktail with our guidance if, if they need. That's how we created the Cono Martini. So that's the trolley. That's the trolley. Yeah. So we simply decided to have a selection of aromatic bitters that could easily give an aroma and aftertaste to the cocktail without changing the personality of the drink. So you still have your uh, James Bond Martini with those bitters with those essence, you could really personalize it. So we guessed that uh, they're into cocktail and flavor. You can let them discover new aspects of the gin. Let them try new fragrances, new flavor, new ingredients. With the people that are more uh, traditional, you simply approach them in a very gentle way. And you ask them if they need something aperitive, digestive, relaxing, energizing. In a very simple manner. So they feel at home, they feel at ease. And from there, you can start the conversation. We always wanted to have this balance of technicality, attention to details, research of the ingredients, how we manipulate ingredients, and the theatrical aspect. So the elegance and the manner, they've always been uh, uh, in the training program. How we talk, how we use the body, um, how you move the hands, even when you make it a drink or you talk, it doesn't matter. And there was the Bloody Mary. Bloody Mary was, uh, I remember was a day, Eric and I, we were a Bloody Mary lover. We are Bloody Mary lover. And, uh, but we couldn't find a way to make a Bloody Mary different. 
we were sure that we wanted to have uh, with our eyes because uh, eyes, uh, in our opinion, yeah, it's spoils, the tomato juice, the tomato juice, the splits, <laughs> and uh, you know, it, it kind of becomes it, messy. Was, it wasn't uh, elegant enough. And Eric came up with the idea of uh, the the celery air, so we started to experiment with the celery air because Eric was uh, experimenting a lot in uh, in some branches of molecular mixology mm-hmm. at the time. So we use his, uh, his knowledge, his skills to, to start to work on figuring out how to present the blameria, how to add the element of the celery, how to do the final touches. Then we found the proper glasses to go with it. It was a, it was a process. It was like creating a, a painting, really. So did you find that um, the clientele w- w- appreciated this and were responding well to these, at least these two Drinks that you pers- it, so personalized. It was. It was. Uh, now it's easy. Now it's easy. People, our guests, they come here for uh, the Colonel Martini de Bloody Mary because they know, they know the fame of the Colonel Bar, and uh, they know that uh, the drinks are good, the service is good. Mm-hmm. Back at the time, it wasn't so soft. We, we had to explain to every single guest that uh, every drink was uh, freshly made at the moment. The juices they were freshly made because no other, no all the bars there are still homemade, the fresh squeezed juice on daily basis. So it was the process of really sitting next to the guests, educating them in a nice manner, let them understand the, the extra care and passion that we put into creating their cocktail. But for them, not for us. Right, so and introducing the, introducing to the Connor bar to them again, exactly. you know, a different Connor bar. Exactly. And the response in the beginning was very good already from from the trade people, from consumer. Of course, somebody was not happy because you cannot make everybody happy. But eventually, they gave us one more chance. They came back, and uh, yeah, here we are. And here you are. So then the award started to roll in. And were you, were you expecting this? I mean, did you you know think did? You Did you have any idea that you know you'd be winning all of these awards? That once you not only in, was it successful, but like uber, uber successful. Look, the first awards we won was um, was for uh, publication of uh, design. I don't remember the name now. Ah, sorry, don't remember. It was for best personalized service because of the trolley wallpaper. Mm-hmm. So wow, it's no, it's no a drink publication that we got awards. So we always had a good balance of uh, consumer-led lifestyle uh, publication and the trade recognition as well, which uh, make us realize that uh, the effort that we put in both the service, uh, keep our service uh, unique and uh, humble, it was the way to go. Um, do you think from that moment of the first, um, you know, magazine recognition, the re- that that recognition from the press, that you could then start creating super innovative cocktails? Like, was that the license? What did you feel? Or should I ask, really, what was the, when did you feel was the time when, okay, now we can move on for these, for these classics that we've created. We're now going to make drinks, cocktails that are personalized to us, the, the bar staff? It was uh, 10 years after, actually. Oh, really? That long? Yeah, because, i tell you why, because um, being a, 
classy environment with a strong heritage, you want to maintain these uh, these uh, values. You don't want to disconnect yourself from those values. Otherwise, I think the, the theme of what you do, it loses a little bit of sense. So we've always been creative. We always had some attachment to forgotten classic, famous bartender that worked in a hotel bars in the past. It was a storytelling as well for uh, for our guests to have a base of conversation. Last year, when we celebrated the 10th anniversary, we decided to to change a little bit, and uh, the menu was inspired from the con of Bar itself, because we created our own style of uh, service, our own style of uh, hospitality, our own style of cocktails. So we, we can say really, we, we made it. We, we did a step, we did a step. But for 10 years, it was uh, keeping hard working, and you win awards, it's very good, thank you very much, but you don't stop, you keep on doing it. You always have to keep the focus on the value that uh, they make you come to work with pride, which for us was uh, customer attention. And then the cocktail are the tricks to engage with the people, excite them, tell them about our story, that we went to Mexico, Hong Kong, we found this ingredient, we brought it back in a cocktail for them. But you kind of lose the values of, uh, of hospitality in uh, this kind of uh, environment, like the, like the corner that I feel it uh, under my skin now. Of course. So then what led to you creating your own gin? Oh, the gin was uh, brainstorming, uh, dreaming, uh, ideas uh, that uh, was ongoing for uh, for a while. And then because of the, the 10th anniversary, during the conversation, saying, why we don't do our own spirits? Why we don't do our own gin? Wow. One more thing to do, why not? It was exciting because hey, we're gonna get Rotova with time to experiment and uh, really gin. It was not the option in the very beginning because uh, gin is a very, very wide category. So we didn't want to have something that could look uh, commercial. We wanted to have something more unique. Again, after a few meeting with uh, our PR and marketing team, the management, uh, we realized that gin. It was uh, the only spirit that really could distill the essence of the Conobar. Gin is British. We are very famous for the Martini cocktail. And here we go. It's the, it's the, it's the, it meant to be again. It meant to be. It meant to be the spirit to excite us and excite our guests. I'm a London dry gin lover, classic gin lover. <coughs> and... Uh, so having a rot of up, uh, the challenge for me in the beginning was to create a spirit with a texture and a bite of uh, the classic gin. Rot of up is just uh, the super essence of flavor, but sometimes it led to have a lighter, palatable experience. And I'm not a distiller, so uh, again, start from zero. Everything from zero again. After 10 years, back to square one. So 10 years ago, I was in the fourth floor, super hot, no air conditioning, nothing. After 10 years, I have minus three, super cold because the sea has to be <laughs> super strong because we have the, the spirits in the mm-hmm. cellar. Mm-hmm. Okay, start to start to engage conversation with uh, some friends that have experience in using Rotowap, some other friends that have experience in, uh, in distilling. The only thing I knew that uh, I wanted to have uh, a gene that could give a uh, honor the gym, to the true gym. Mm-hmm. 
We didn't want to have something gimmicky. We didn't want to have something flavored. So we start to think about the recipe, and there was a few ingredients that I knew I wanted to use. One was uh, maize, the flower of the nutmeg. So when I was in uh, Morocco with uh, Jared Brown, a dear friend of mine, he took me to the souk where, uh, where he's uh, sourcing uh, botanicals for uh, sips meat. So I found this beautiful maize. I always loved maize, but that maize was absolutely fantastic. So I'm going to buy a kilo. And Gabby, she was telling me off, no, you always buy things, you collect stuff, uh, the house is full of everything. Said, Don't worry, worry, let me do it, let me do it, please. So I had uh, for months a kilo of maize at home. And then uh, I thought, maybe in the gym it could work. I tried, was the time to um, use your experience in a different way. So your nose and your palate, you have to take them to a different level. In a more, uh, I can say, a more uh, subtle and gentle level mm-hmm. because uh, you need to discover different aspects of yourself because you need to apply your expertise in a different way. For maize, let's go for maize. Then uh, we're Italian. Italy is the land of sunshine. We cannot not please our guests with Amalfi lemon. I knew you were going to say lemon. I knew it. (laughs) it. So we're fresh Amalfi lemon peel. Mm -hmm. From the same supplier that gave us the lemon since 10 years from our martini trolley. So again, there is the link. Mm-hmm. And I like to call this, so Mace is the personal botanical. Mace um, is the personal botanical. Lemon is a lifestyle botanical. Because all this thing, Amalfi Coast, will let you travel with the senses. Back to Amalfi, or you wish to go to Amalfi, isn't it? So there is always, a, as I said before, there is a technicality, attention to details, and always a little bit of romance and theatrical aspect. So we always combine those things in everything. And the gene as well, uh, all the inspiration that came from the sky like one day after the other one, in an easy way. Then the application, it was not so easy. The last botanicals, it was, uh, I don't know why I knew what I wanted. I had the taste in my mind. Honestly, I had the taste in my mind, like a visionary, I had the taste in my mind. That's botanical, it was uh, something that, it is something that is very connected to this kind of establishment, so very connected to heritage. You were coming to the Connaught before the Connaught bar existing, so you could, uh, you can tell me, because you have been witnessing, that before having a cocktail bar, like the Connaught bar, the sign of quality was opening uh, the list, and have a look at the wine selection. Rarest is your champagne and Bordeaux wine, better is the bar, mm-hmm. like in a restaurant. The gin room is next to the wine cellar. So I said, let's use some wine into, into mm-hmm. the distillation. So I thought, okay, why we don't take uh, a Bordeaux wine? Because uh, Bordeaux is a sign of really quality, rarity. Maybe we could uh, age the gin into a barrel, but then it was too much uh, work to do. You need to call the French houses, get the barrel, like I'm a story here. I was, uh, was getting too, too complicated. And moreover, barrel-aged gin already existed. So we want to be different, mm-hmm. unique. So simply, I decided to have a wine distillate. 
to be added in the, in the recipe. So we have short distillation of nine botanicals, juniper berries, coriander seeds, angelica, orris, licorice, lemon verbena, lemongrass, so the classics. And then we have a maize, amalfi lemon, distilled together, those nine. The wine distilled separately, you extract the core, the wine or the vin, the core of the flavor, the core of the texture of the wine. On the blind tasting, if you have a glass of wine and a glass of the distillate, on the nose you don't recognize which one is what. I've always been very lucky as well in my career. I think this was a lucky shot, <laughs> following a little bit of uh, inspiration and intuition. Mm-hmm. I tried to put some wine into the, into the, the mix and I said, wow, really obtaining this uh, mouthfeel and texture that you would have from, uh, from a, a copper distilled gin. How interesting. Because the texture is one element that is key as to it's a master in all my cocktail, in all the cocktail that we make at the corner bar. Because texture is the, the mouthfeel that allow all the flavor to spread on the palate your experience become richer. It's like when you have uh, fatty foods, mm-hmm. you feel more rich because all the flavor they go around the palate, all the taste buds they are engaged. Therefore, there is always a layer of flavor going on. But then you want to go back to sip in the glass because you discover something new every time. That's how we make a cocktail curious. So the recipe worked very good. Now we need to standardize the recipe. I don't take you the process of standardizing the recipe because uh, otherwise I start to shake again. Then we start to work on a branding. Did you see the bottle? Mm-hmm. So the bottle is beautiful, it's very art deco, but as well it looks like a cocktail shaker. So there was the link. The label is very minimal, super elegant, with the element of the wood paneling in the, in the design, because the wood paneling is the only feature left from the previous American bar. And from uh, the room that was here before, mm-hmm. I think it was a tea room, before it was an event space. So those walls are very close to our heart because then we're witnessing so many events. So we like to say that if the world could speak, who knows what they've been witnessing really. Uh, Western Churchill, the royal family, uh, our lovely guest uh, at the modern day. So it's, uh, it's a special feeling this room. So we want to incorporate this one into the presentation of the gym. Is uh, created for the 10th anniversary. We wanted to have a limited edition, so we decided to do 1,000 bottles only. Each bottle is hand-numbered, and it's crafted in Mayfair. It's not only crafted in Mayfair, it's a handmade decorum. I do the distillation, we do the blending, bottling, we put the label by hand, we put the cork, the seal, and with the hair dryer, we seal every single bottle. And then with the white gloves, you check in the last details if the label is perfectly made, and then you place it in the box. It's a kind of ple- a very pleasant process in the end. Like a, it's a labor of love, labor of passion. Every single bottle, you look at it, okay, it's perfect, it's good, it can go in the box. And that's how we start. It's a 44 ABV, vintage 2018. So for the collectible, for the, collect, for the people that collect items, they collect spirits, I do suggest to go on the website or to come to visit me because this gin, apart is delicious. We have very good feedback from all the spirit experts, gin producer, our guests, everybody. It will be very, 
very rare item in a few years because uh, we're going to keep on going making the Conobar gin in different style, different edition, different vintage, but this one is the very first one. For the 10th anniversary, vintage doesn't it So... You know, you said that the walls have seen the Royals and Winston Churchill, but now the walls have seen you, and you are definitely a part of Connaught history. Oh, la, la. So should we go toast to that with a cocktail? Why not? Why not? Okay. I, I suggest a martini. All right. I'll yeah. take you up on a martini. Fantastic. Thanks so much to Ago and the whole team of the Connaught. As Ago led me to the bar for their famous Bloody Mary, he reminded me that it wasn't just one person who makes a bar successful. Okay, I have to tell you something. That uh, you wanted me to talk about me in the podcast. I'm very pleased about it. But I wouldn't be talking here about the corner bar as a long-lasting, uh, um, as a long-lasting uh, elegance uh, bar if it wasn't for my team. So the team is uh, almost of Italian. We attract each other. We have uh, Giorgio, who is the bartender. He's with me since uh, five years. Maura, the assistant manager, five and a half years. And Ricardo, remember Ricardo was telling you? He was the junior bartender, then he went to travel. He came back, and now he's the bar manager. Fabio, also supervisor now. The rest of the guys uh, shaking cocktail, running the floor, smiling to the guests, which makes the difference. Really, the, the turnover point of the Conobari was really five years ago when uh, Giorgio Maura joined the team. And since uh, we are in Sintoni together, and uh, it's like a, we work uh, seamlessly. In silent communication, everybody knows what needs to be done under the direction of Ricardo as well, who directs the day-to-day operation. And uh, it really, it feels, uh, every day it feels uh, exciting like the first day because there is always something new to implement. But also it feels at home because we know each other very well and we don't need to lose too much time to get the things done. So well done to them to supporting me and the corner bar. As he finished speaking, the Bloody Mary seamlessly appeared in front of me at the bar, made by the very Giorgio he spoke of and whom I already knew from my days studying at the Wine and Spirit Education Trust. But now it's time for your cocktail of the week. This week's cocktail, The Sweet and Zed, is inspired by the story of two guests that are completely different but the best of friends. One in fashion with a love of strong drinks like the Negroni. The other, a quieter soul with a love of fine food and sweeter drinks. His favorite being the Golden Cadillac. This drink is a tribute to them with the bitterness of the Negroni and the sweetness of the Golden Cadillac. Add a bit of chocolate candy and you have the sweet and zed. Put all the ingredients in a mixing glass with ice. 30 ml of Patron Reposado Tequila, 30 ml of Martini Rubino, 30 ml of Galliano L'Aperitivo, a touch of Cacao Cascara Light Cream, and a touch of Galliano Autentico. Stir it, then strain into a champagne coupe glass over a diamond of ice. Add a ring of chocolate and spray with grapefruit and basil essence. Yeah, it's tough to make and so much better to head to the Connaught and have one of the excellent staff make it for you there. 
You'll find this recipe and all the cocktails of the week at alushlifemanual.com, where you'll also find all the ingredients in our shop. Now, after a few weeks in London, Normandy France calls us away. Recalling his childhood memories of apple picking and cider making, our next guest found he could no longer stand drinking any cider on the market. So he created his own from apples in his family's orchard. Until next time, bottoms up. Thanks for listening to the Lush Life Podcast. For more information and links to everything you've heard, plus a whole lot more, please visit alushlifemanual.com. Always remember the wise words of Oscar Wilde, all things in moderation, including moderation. And always drink responsibly. Okay, I said that last part. The music is by Stephen Shapiro and used with permission. Lush Life is produced by Evo Terra. And I'm your drinking partner, Susan Schwartz. I'll see you at the bar. Thank you.